So I actually said those words out loud, I am responsible. And the second that I said that, I felt empowered, I felt inspired, I felt gratitude, and I started to make better changes for my life. This month on the podcast, we have been talking a lot about metabolism and metabolic flexibility. And I thought it was a good time actually to share a clip from my interview with Ben Azadi, the author of Keto Flex, because it kind of links to how you can use keto in the short term to develop metabolic flexibility, some interesting research around that, and also how you become what you think about. So this kind of really is helpful if you're looking to make a body composition change in terms of really helping you clarify your mindset on it and also how you can develop what's known as metabolic flexibility which gives you the freedom to um, have more flexibility around what you're eating because metabolic flexibility is really where you can burn carbs and fats on demand so have a listen to this clip and if you're interested in listening to the full episode it is episode 137 Can you describe, first of all, what is keto flex? Yes. So keto flexing is the premise behind how humans have existed for as long as humans have existed. For example, ketosis. We know, and we both agree that keto is one tool in the shed. It's not the only tool and it's not new. Ketosis has been around since humans have existed. Every single one of our ancestors did keto because their environment forced them into periods of time where there was no food, so they had to fast. And if they did not have the ability to produce ketones, they would be blubbering idiots and they wouldn't be able to hunt and kill and and do their thing. So keto flexing is the principle that yes, keto is great, all of our ancestors did it, but when our ancestors had the opportunity to eat carbohydrates, they would flex out of ketosis. So it is about metabolic flexibility and using keto to achieve that metabolic freedom and flexibility, which is very similar to what you teach as well. Yeah, very, very similar. And I couldn't agree more. I just think a lot of people get hung up on a particular diet, right? Whereas actually metabolic flexibility is king. Who wouldn't want to be metabolically flexible? And we're born metabolically flexible. That's the thing. We're born into ketosis too. I mean, breast milk has saturated fat and cholesterol. It's a new problem that we have where somebody is now sticking with the same diet long-term. And of course we see it in keto, but it's also veganism and other diets out there, carnivore, it's a new problem. None of the, our ancestors, there's not one culture in the history of this world that stuck with the same diet long-term. It wasn't until, it hasn't been until the last 50 years that we have this new problem. Mm. And a new problem of so much processed food, right? That's the other thing. It's yeah. just so difficult to, yeah, people struggle to get these whole foods in. So in terms of when someone wants to start, right, and they're thinking about creating metabolic flexibility, I think one of the things that both you and I talk a lot about is we need to teach people to deplete muscle glycogen again, right? They haven't been doing that. So many people are just sort of topped up all the time with carbohydrates, and they're not burning enough fuel to actually facilitate um, the need for it. When, when you've got somebody and they're maybe they're feeling like they're stressed, which obviously leads to more blood sugar dysregulation. They're overweight. They feel lethargic. They feel like they've got that brain fog. What's the best place would you say in your formula? And I know you have your four pillars, which I want to go through with you in a moment for someone to start when they're just starting out and they're thinking, I really want to develop metabolic flexibility. Yeah. The first step is to start depleting those glycogen stores, like you just said. And uh, when you are 
what's called a sugar burner. When you're teaching your cells to burn sugar, burn glucose, and only burn sugar and glucose, it leads to metabolic dysfunction. It leads to metabolic inflexibility. It's estimated that in America, 88.2% of Americans are metabolically inflexible. That means there's only 12% of us that have this flexibility, which, and that's in 2018 study, it's probably worse now, especially after COVID. So what, what that means essentially is you're eating every two to three hours, you're eating high processed carbohydrates. The average American is eating about 300 and 400 grams of carbs per day. And you're gonna continuously top that those glycogen stores. You're gonna add, it's gonna, you can only store about 2000 calories of of sugar in those glycogen stores, muscle, liver cells, and then the rest is stored as body fat. And it's not a fun way to live. When I was obese, I was a sugar burner. And how do you know you're a sugar burner? You're eating every two to three hours. If you skip a meal, you're hangry, you can't function, and it will create insulin resistance, type two diabetes, and just a whole host of other issues. So the first step is to lower your carbohydrate intake. And at the same time, increase healthy fats and protein, and then eliminate the snacking. You don't have to necessarily fast in the beginning, start with three meals, but as you increase the healthy fats and protein, eat less carbs, you're actually going to find that you have less need to snack. And that is the first step right there. Yeah, that's a great first step. I see that, you know, I see that a lot with guys actually is, and, and I think you, you had problems, didn't you, in, in childhood, but I find that with a lot of men, actually often as teenagers, like I look at my two teenage boys, 13 and 14, they have an incredible capacity to eat. And I think sometimes what happens is you fast forward 10 years and now you have a 23, 24 year old guy mm -hmm. who thinks he can eat like he did at 13, 14, but you're not growing anymore and you just don't, and you're not doing the same amount of sport and you just don't have the need for that much glucose and carbohydrates. I think that's the thing. And we have to adjust and realize that we don't need it, but we do need healthy fats for our brain. We do need protein that we can break down into amino acids. It's a, as you say, like we've got to change our diet, right? Especially as we go through different decades, our needs are going to be very, very different. Um, your story is incredible because you were obese. So you have come on that journey. Tell me about like that, because I know your father was very sick as well, and that was a huge wake-up call. Can you just share so the audience can kind of connect with that? Because you've been through a lot, and it's it's amazing that you're so fit and healthy now to come on that journey. Thank you, Angela. Yeah, and we have very a lot of similarities in our stories. You know, I, I battled with depression just like you. I had uh, suicidal thoughts, and uh, growing up here in America, I followed a standard American diet, which is highly processed, very toxic. The acronym is SAD, Standard American Diet, and it's a proper acronym because it's very sad and it'll lead mm. to you feeling sad. And that was the case for me. So I hung out with the wrong crowd. My environment was very toxic and I became toxic in myself. So my body was physically obese, but I was also mentally obese and mentally bankrupt. And I found myself back in 2008 being, I was a 24 year old obese man. I weighed 250 pounds. I worked at a nine to five job that was very uninspiring. And I was going through a very difficult time in my life with my, my ex-girlfriend who ended up breaking up with me. And I was depressed. I was rock bottom. I was actually looking for ways to end my life because I was tired of hurting every day, waking up and crying. And it was a vicious cycle for several months where I would think about suicide. I would go on the internet to look for ways to commit suicide. And then I would stop myself thinking about my mother, thinking about what she would have to deal with if I went through with that. And it wasn't until I, I picked up actually a friend, my best friend, two of my best friends handed me a book and said, you know, read this book. I think you would get a lot from it. And one book 
led to five books, which led to 15 books. And I started to read incredible authors. We were just talking offline about one of them, mm. you know, Bob Proctor, Earl Nightingale, Jim Rohn, Tony Robbins, and I could go on and on and on. The books did a lot for me, but the number one thing that the books did for me helped me take responsibility for my results and my circumstances. And that word responsibility is your ability to respond to life. My ability to respond to life up until that point was very poor. I was blaming my genetics, my enabling family members. I was blaming everything external. And then I came across Dr. Wayne Dyer's work. And I remember him saying this, and it really resonated with me. He said, if other people are the cause of your problems, you would have to hire a psychiatrist for the rest of the world in order for you to get better. And I, and it was funny That's and it so was true. so true because so true. the problem lies within. I am actually responsible. I was, and I still am responsible. So I actually said those words out loud. I am responsible. And the second that I said that I felt empowered, I felt inspired, I felt gratitude and I started to make better changes for my life. And I became the victor at that moment of my destiny. And I stopped being the victim of my history. So I started to exercise and eat better. And I went through this incredible transformation. I lost about 80 pounds of fat. I went from 250 pounds. Uh, and that's of course, I'm speaking in American and uh, in, in English, a <laughs> U.S. terms here, I should say. So I went from 250 pounds down to 170 pounds, 34% body fat down to 6% body fat wow. size, 38 waist to size 30 waist. So finally achieved the physical six pack. But the most important thing that I achieved was a, a mental six pack. I started to understand how important your thoughts are and how you become what you think about most of the time. And that's what got me started in the health and fitness space. Thank you for listening to today's show and for your interest in health optimization for high performance. If you're new to my podcast, you may be interested to know that you can get a free health score and report complete with personalized recommendations on how to optimize your sleep, nutrition, fitness, and resilience in the top link in the show notes below. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Links to everything we talked about are also in the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe for more.